and then I have to, I have to, I usually intro us, which means I got to remember the name of the podcast. Welcome everybody to GTRTP, the TT. Back up and start over. I always gotta take it twice. Welcome everybody to the. Oh, Jesus Christ. Welcome everybody to GTRTP, the LGBT TTRPG podcast. Uh, it's the Gaming for Trans Rights tabletop podcast. Uh, my name is Leah, and today we are interviewing the creator of Let's Rob R.J. McElhaney and Steal Her Golden Quill, uh, Laura. And uh, I'm here too. I'm John, the co-host. I use uh, he, him pronouns. I am Moss. I use they, them pronouns. I'm Ollie. I use he, him, sees them, and am pronouns. I'm Laura. I use she/her pronouns. Ooh. Hi. Hello. Hello. Thank we you for being thrilled. here. We are thrilled. Thank you for writing your thank wild you for ass game. Me. Batting one thousand. <laughs> Batting one thousand. We've gotten every creator of every game we have played. Well, because like, if you made a gay role playing game, like, why wouldn't? <laughs> I... <laughs> You're community oriented. Yes. There you go. So, yeah, the last two episodes, uh, which by the time this is up, episode two will have been up for a little while, uh, we played, uh, along with Dante, our friend who's not here today, uh, but is alive. I don't want to make it sound like they're dead. They're, they're going to be here for the next one. Um, played five uh, heisters. Um, we fought our way through a mansion loaded with merch and references to a fictional magical property that has no... Uh, intentional relation to real world properties or people uh, and um, all coincidental <laughs> all coincidental uh, and it was a robbery for trans rights we're stealing trans rights back from uh, this real fucking piece of shit author um, uh, so we fought vegetables uh, we mutant ninja turtled our way through a sewer uh, yeah we, I mean we had an excellent time playing um mm-hmm. And uh, you broke in through the women's yeah. bathroom, the the modern battleground that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I, we all thought that was just hilarious. <laughs> that that was the first card so drawn. Yeah, I it mean, felt and, very auspicious. It was good tone setting. Right. Yeah. yeah. The the game wanted to work with us. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think I mean the flavor text in this game. Uh, to to get into it a little bit, this is a like 16 page like zine layout kind of game um Mm -hmm. it's like i mean relatively simple as far as getting set up to play um but i mean the the flavor text in this game is just so funny like for the women's bathroom it's like who genders the bathrooms in their own house like (laughs) rj mcelaney does obviously um yeah i i guess yeah let's get let's get right into like um like the document itself um like i think it's an incredibly written uh piece of like rpg making oh my god Um, thank you (laughs) yeah i mean it's it is wildly funny um like it is and like easy to follow and like i think that like the rule set that you created here um is like 
a really great rules light RPG. Uh, and as I mentioned before, uh, during the game, uh, I think that the document really walks that tightrope of like comedy and instruction. Um, it, it's just this game, the, the document itself is, I, I think, as you said, Moss screamingly funny. Yeah. Um, like it wasn't, it wasn't funny to the detriment of having us know what was going on. It was funny to the benefit of supporting the flow of play. Yeah, and wanting to know what everything did. And yeah, the other thing that stood out to me was just that um, I am from uh, kind of a social scene of tabletop game players who have trouble making games short. Um, <laughs> even if a game is supposed to be a one-shot, we often uh -huh, find uh -huh. out it is not a one-shot in practice once we get our teeth into it. You wrote a one-shot heist game. There's a very specific goal. You are out to rob a specific item from a specific person, and when you do that, you are done with the game. And we played it, and it was genuinely a one-shot, which is not been yeah. the case with yeah. everything we've played. We split it up into two episodes, but we did play it all through in one, like, yep. four-hour, maybe three. About well, four no, hours. We, we did split it up because I had to, like, do something for an hour, but we came, like, right back to it, so it was all in mm -hmm. one day. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it didn't feel rushed either. I mean, it felt mm -hmm. the 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 flow of it is so satisfying. Like uh, the last two games we've played have been like co DM games where everyone's kind of taking a part of it. And then I think the fact that in this game you are rotating the person setting the scene, it takes the best of having everyone have stake in being a character in the story, but also here's your chance to kind of mess with people a little bit if you want yes. to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> while painting a beautiful like scene for everything uh was so cool you know yeah i i love that rotating authorship it, it's been a theme in all the games that we played so far yeah. uh and i I've, i like that it gets people in engaged and invested in the like the fabric of the world uh as well as like uh it making people think making the players think about how the game plays um and I, I, to the benefit of everybody. But um, I, I think that's enough of us, like, uh, gushing about it. Uh, I, oh, no, I'll no, I can stand some more gushing. Feel free. Uh, <laughs> you can tell me I'm pretty also if you want, please. <laughs> yes, cool. then I, I want to hear from the lovely Lara um, <laughs> about, like, um, uh, kind of the process of designing this game. Um, like, what... Uh, I want to know. I, I'm very curious about like where did you? How did you figure out the um, the mechanics for this? The the like you know the difficulty uh, challenge ratings, uh, the action dice pool, uh, using your style uh, as like bonuses. Like where did the uh, mechanics for this game come from? Uh, that is a fair question, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, uh, honestly, a, a lot of where the mechanics came from is just it is an iteration on other stuff other unrelated stuff that I had been playing with. I am someone mm -hmm. who um, generally is like constantly putting together little games that I don't do anything with. Just I love thinking about how mechanisms can work. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I no longer do it, but I used to do a podcast with a, uh, well, friend of the show, Alex uh, Guerrero, uh, oh, where we would awesome. make a game every other week uh, off of a, a randomly rolled prompt. Um, <laughs> and so it was a really, you know, excellent opportunity to just, just stretch those muscles and, and like, iterate these little uh, bits of, of design. Um, so I, yeah. I had had an idea of doing a kind of a, like, one-shot heist game for a while like the the the, the notion of uh rotating the lookout and here is the room and there is a challenge and everybody just sort of tackles it together 
Um, especially in a way that kind of mandates teamwork, because that's the fun part of a heist, is when somebody sets up the ball that somebody else spikes. Um, you know, that's something I had been playing with for a while. Um, if you, like, look in my back catalog of games that I actually bothered finishing, uh, this is fairly similar to something called Gun Mage, which is about cowboys fighting demons, uh, where nice. <laughs> generally yeah. you have a limited pool of dice and you want to roll high, but uh, you cannot, as one person, roll high enough. So you have to set mm-hmm. up uh, set up a ball for someone to follow through on. Um, so, like, I, I had these ideas in my head, uh, and then for some reason, I got really mad at a fantasy author. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I can't imagine why. Just absolutely uh, peeved, peeved in uh, um, <laughs> early... <laughs> Early well, mid mid twenty twenty yeah, little miffed little little. Uh-huh. She knows what she did. I think. Uh-huh. I don't know if she does. <laughs> does she? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I was gonna say. Uh, I, I think earlier uh, before we started recording, we can for the listener. If you go and look at like the real world Quidditch, they have renamed themselves to Quadball. Not that that has anything to do with a, a real author. Uh, this is all mm. fictional. No. Um, mm-hmm. And. Uh, uh, the latest uh, Anthony Charterstone books. That's the that's the that's the wizard name of these books. Uh, apparently, there was like a whole signed like collection of first editions that they couldn't even sell at like a, some no kind of charity way. thing. Yeah. Oh my god. So uh, that's how badly people don't want this stuff anymore. Dang. Her signature oh. makes it go down in value. Yes. Uh, Wild. Because ever since we stole the quill, she has to sign with a bick. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just ruining her penmanship. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, well that's that's so interesting. So this is something you've been in, uh, the, like the mechanics are something you've been iterating on for a while. And I guess like yeah, it, it these the ideas that you've been working with kind of it sounds like they like uh, congealed uh, together with like uh, the peevedness peeve, uh, towards this fantasy author, this this, um, this nameless fantasy author. Yes. yes. Yep. So was so was it like was this kind of like a uh, you know therapeutic for you to like write out? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I thought so. Um, so when when I uh, when I wrote this game, this was um, something that I wrote. This is in 2020 after mm-hmm. I had come out. As trans, I'm trans, by the way. I don't know if that's obvious. Um, after I had come out to my uh, wife and like immediate family, but I wasn't yet publicly out. I wasn't yeah. ready for that yet. So I, and then some fantasy author started really shooting her mouth out about she shouldn't be talking about, and uh, <laughs> I had a lot of feelings with no like real good outlet for them, and this became. Yeah. Uh, something that I could I could work on, and I just had a lot of fun being very mean to um, again a, a nameless. I, we, should we name the yeah. fantasy author? I don't mind. Yeah. I mean, yeah, which, which... Ursula K. Le Guin. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, I'm glad somebody's finally said it. No, but yeah, yeah, like I I love the naked anger towards JK Rowling here. Like it's it's I think this is very fun and cathartic and I, I love that it's really like 
sticking it to really like sticking it to a like a public figure of derision i i vibe that a lot it's very rock and roll (laughs) there's no better fuck you to jk rowling than like i wrote a fantasy uh role-playing game about like coming and stealing your stuff because you suck i mean that's that's great all right moss yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say um i feel like the game too we've noted a lot it's a heist game Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious as to what kind of tonal influences you may have had like from heist genres, like other games or films or things that you really vibe with on that front. I know you talked about like the teamwork element and people like lining up an action for someone else to follow through on being yeah. a really satisfying part of heist narratives to you. <laughs> I I love heist narratives. Heist narratives are the best. Um, <laughs> like your 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 oceans series is cheesy but brilliant uh leverage the first couple seasons of that were fantastic um and like (laughs) one of the last major things that i had actually worked on um before uh rj mclenny was uh, a card game which started off as being like let's make a heist game And and it kind of morphed uh in its in its uh production uh it's called prohibitionists um and you are prohibitionists busting up the lake city mob uh during the prohibition (laughs) um and it it uses that same like you know in order to take care of this obstacle you need to uh set up something that somebody else is going to finish um Mm -hmm. and part of me really loves how that like dynamic can work in a role-playing game because obviously role-playing is if you're playing with multiple people, it is a multi-person activity. That's a tautology, but so be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's so much more exciting when you can come up with ways to um, make folks uh, work together, to, to synergize with other players. So much of what I like tend to dislike about classic role-playing is when a combat is sort of everybody is facing off against an enemy and they are trading hits and they aren't really interfacing unless maybe somebody is healing somebody else, you know? And that is frustrating. Um, And the games that tend to appeal to me the most are ones where you can, can get away from that and really influence one another more directly. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, like if I'm talking about classic, uh, you know, there is a GM and there are players and you mm-hmm. are often doing yeah. combat style. I really like Fate right. for this, which I've also done a bunch mm-hmm. of work with, uh, where a lot of the time, like, what you do on your turn is you don't bother attacking, you don't bother doing anything to the uh, to the opponents. What you are doing is making an advantage. You are setting things yes. up so that somebody else can can slam dunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, God, I, I love that part of the game so much. <laughs> I, I love that feeling. I love that in play. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's got this nice sense of community. Like, <laughs> it I, feels I so think... warm and cozy and queer to me because... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that, like, the the very, like, the very simple rules that you've outlined in this game support that extremely well. I love that, like, the the damage die and the challenge rating have been abstracted enough that you're not literally doing damage to anything. What you are, what your actions are doing, are representing a just like progress to a goal. Yeah. Um, so therefore, like help actions, which are often codified in other games, is like you know you give a plus one to someone for their action. So there's kind of this like inherent imbalance and in, like contribution 
Um, in this game, it's all the same. It's all the same D6s that you're using towards the, uh, things. So, like, helping somebody to do something or setting someone up for an action is ju ha holds just as much weight as the action itself. And I think that lets people, you know, that, that encourages that kind of uh, helpfulness. In, in our games, I think it, like, very much... Um, like it very much encouraged us to you know like play off of each other and like i think in fact like rules as written in the document something and something i'm not sure we touched on explicitly is that uh in the game at follow-up actions in rooms like there's only really one requirement and that is that you have to like uh like piggyback off of the person before and even though we didn't really explicitly say that like most of the time we were doing that you know like uh, in the biscuit room, um, like in, in, in the biscuit room, oh, um, right. the biscuits were all, uh, had, the biscuits had all become like soggy from, um, the river spirit called by Rook. So Grafelda turned it into oatmeal, like, yep. you know, and we ate our way out. Um, like that kind of, like that kind That's of, such like, a uh, good sentence. I love every word of that. <laughs> Good news, you, you crafted a game that produces a lot of really excellent sentences that haven't been said yeah. before. <laughs> um, and, like, that, that those things, like, kind of, like, there is so much organic room for creativity, like, creative solutions, um, and things that, like, we're not trying to literally break down a wall. We're just trying to overcome an abstract obstacle, and that is, and that gives tons of room to do whatever you think helps it's yeah that that's what it is it's just like being this is this game is rewarding being helpful yeah and it doesn't punish you being creative with your moves you know? right yeah uh all yeah. Uh, the the only thing that it really gears t uh, towards is that like um the things that you have established for your character in the beginning your style your magic and your um ooh, what else was it your look yes yeah. your uh, yeah, style, style and source, source and skill. Yeah. Yes, your skill, source, and style. Yes, and if you incorporate all, and which is you know, it, part of the some of the most fun with RPGs is the character building and like with the uh, the very fun options that you provided here. Like <laughs> you you care about like wanting or at least I cared about wanting to include these things in my character's gameplay. So you know, like but if you don't, it's not a huge deal either. Hitting all three is great. But most of the time, one is just totally good. It's it's pretty easy to get one in my yeah, in my experience. Exactly. Like it's it's almost hard to get zero. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, that's a mechanic I really enjoyed too, especially because like there's there's such a range of like styles to the archetypes um, mm -hmm. that are available, and so I know for us, I believe we commented on it in the initial recording. There was a sense that we were a, sort of an interestingly motley crew coming together to do this. We were very different kinds of magic practitioners who did mm -hmm. not all know each other to begin with, but we were bonded by our grudges against <laughs> RJ McElhaney, which of course is also built into the character setup. Mm -hmm. So there's an automatic group opt-in, um, which works yes. very well. And again, follows, I think, a lot of the spirit of other heist media, where often you, you are pulling together the specialists who may or may not have pre-existing connections. Mm -hmm. um, they're just the right people for this job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it also reminds me of, I, I've run into that mechanical style in other games before and really enjoyed it. One of my other favorite one-shot style games is designed to play out um, 
a single episode based baking show, like reality show. Oh. And you get uh, like culinary background and a signature dish that you do. <laughs> and those are both elements that you can draw on for your extra dice. You know, if you manage to be snobby about the patisserie school you went to or somehow make your dish theme related to biscuits and gravy, um, <laughs> then that nets you your extra dice. So That's I awesome. feel like especially for like satirical or tongue-in-cheek kinds of energies, you can pull a lot out of that. And I think that that definitely landed very well for me in like the magic Yes. The magic aspects and character aspects. Another thing I really loved was the mechanic where you get dice back by increasing the difficulty. Oh, I yeah. Felt like it, it like really added to that shared storytelling thing where it was like, um, uh, you are like you are the one in the room facing it, but also like almost mechanically necessary. By the end, you're gonna have to make it harder for yourself to keep going. Uh, and also, like, over time, just by the nature of, especially because near the beginning, we weren't really thinking about refilling our dice, so, like, nope. like I think the last room before RJ McElhenney, we were all, like, <laughs> making yeah. it insanely hard to try to get all our dice back before uh-huh. the final encounter. <laughs> yeah, I, total agreement. I, I love that mechanic. I'm so, I'm, I'm so, like, that is, that is the part that I was, like, least confident in before sort of really? shooting this out into the world. Like, I... You know, played it through a, a, a couple of times, but there's a limited amount you can playtest something in mm-hmm. early quarantine. Um, uh-huh. So, I, you know, I, I wasn't 100% sure. I, that was kind of flying a little bit by the seat of my pants on the assumption that, hey, if it raises the difficulty by two, which happens to be, like, the lowest you can expect a person to roll mm-hmm. since it's so hard mm-hmm. to get no bonus points... Then that buffs out. That's generally speaking going to uh, help and not hinder you in the yeah. long term. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah no, it didn't it, make it frustratingly hard, but not it, at all. I think encouraged us to like create a sense of the narrative and energetic stakes increasing as we went on through the mansion, especially in that like build up towards the final confrontation. Absolutely, uh, and that like that simple piece of math where like. You are getting a die back for an additional two dam uh, two for an additional two challenge rating. The average die like the average roll of a die is going to be you know three point five. Um, so you know you are naturally going to be. Pr- it's like in the short term you are making things more difficult, but numerically you are pushing yourself forward by making this decision too. So like you know it's a simple piece of uh, it's a simple little bit of math that just works very elegantly um, in the mechanics. I, th- I thought it was great. Yes. Good for me. (laughs) Agreed. Good for you. (laughs) Can you tell we liked the game? We liked the game. I am so glad that you liked the game. I love this game. This is one of my favorite (laughs) things that I have ever written. Um, (laughs) I'm really Uh, so excited to hear people play it. Uh, (laughs) I think that's the other reason that it's been pretty easy to get uh, creators onto the podcast. Because I don't know about you, but even if you like have a game that seems relatively well distributed within the scale of indie game things, which is still a very strange, scrappy scale. The amount of times I actually hear back from people who've played it, when it's not me mm-hmm. actively involved in playtesting, still very low. So, <laughs> I don't know how that's how that's landed for you and your experience, but I know I'm always oh, yeah, hyped I, when I get like, hey, I actually can report back on how gameplay went. <laughs> I get so little feedback, which is, I mean, I get some, and every piece of feedback I get does, like, send me to the moon but it is 
so, so many things just disappear into the ether. This is this mm-hmm. listeners. This is your reminder to go on itch.io and rate five stars and leave a review for all of the games that you've downloaded. All of them. <laughs> uh, that's that's going to take us. That's going to take us a hot minute. I, I bought. <laughs> we bought yeah. the uh, the the tra- the trans rights for Texas package. So you know I've got like. A thousand RPGs. Oh, yeah. yeah, I got the bundle for Ukraine, so that's yeah, that too. But that was actually, I mean, yeah. that was the the inciting incident where I was talking with John, and we were like, "Oh mm-hmm. my god, there's you know, there's like a thousand games in here." Like you know, and I was kind of joking. I was like, "We should go through every single one of these and like record a <laughs> podcast about every game in here," because uh, we both like a, a podcast called System Mastery. Um, yeah, they they look at old. I get old and new role-playing systems and kind of say, like, okay, this is stupid how they've done this. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. The You just have a character sheet that's eight pages long and type three font, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, it was good. It's System Mastery is good critical goofing about, um, like, a system, about t- tabletop systems. Yeah. But the, um, the the way we've come up with... So initially, we went through on like a spreadsheet, and I put all the games in a spreadsheet, which took forever. Um, but then, yeah, we decided on Moss's game first, because uh, we were like, what a, what a cool-looking game. We both had marked it as like one of the games we wanted to play. Yeah. Um, but now the rule is, uh, you, Lara, you get to pick the next game we play out of... Oh. Yeah, if you want mm, to. It's, no it's pressure. It's a recommendation chain. Oh, no, yeah. I, I definitely know where I would be inclined to go. Does it have to be okay. from the uh, Trans Rights Texas Not Bumble? at all. No. Okay. Nope. Um, but, but If it is, cool, but if it isn't, cool. Yeah, and you have some time to think about it. We're not trying to usher yeah. you off the stage or anything. <laughs> it's probably going to be Weasels Are Illegal by Ash Cheshire, but okay. uh, <laughs> I'll think about it. I'm sold based on the name alone. That's a great <laughs> name. Um, but yeah, my next question was, um, so it says on the, I guess back cover, but it's on page one of the PDF here, uh, that, uh, you had released it as part of Zine Quest. Can you tell us about yes. Zine Quest? Uh, Zine Quest is a thing that Kickstarter did slash does slash has eclipsed Kickstarter, um, in the last, <laughs> in the last year, uh, where, you know. Indie RPG designers are encouraged to create zines, small games or game supplements or game content. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the second year. This was the second year that I've uh, participated in it. Um, When I made the the Trans Rage Trilogy, a series of three zines about, you know, feelings and gender. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... uh, what else is in the Trans Rage trilogy? Um, the other two games in the Trans Rage trilogy. Okay, I, <laughs> I, I really enjoy these three games because they are kind of um, they each represent different stages of being a trans person. Um, <laughs> in that the first one is something that I wrote way back when I would have told you I was a uh, straight cisgender man. Just a really um, and good I was ally. mistaken. Uh, just a super <laughs> good ally. Such a great uh, ally. And it is called To Stand Before the Dragon's Wrath. And it is uh, about fighting a dragon. And more generally speaking, it's about existing in a world that has gone wrong and going to do something to fix it, even if it's going to make your life much worse or possibly even kill you. It's, uh, <laughs> in that how it's it the denial game. Fun. <laughs> Um, and then the the sort of middle one is let's 
rob RJ McElhenney and steal her golden quill. That's uh, my my anger uh, game. Uh, and then uh-huh. the third one is uh, possibly my favorite thing that I've ever written, uh, which uh-huh. is the the trans joy uh, game, which is penis two point oh point seven seven. Oh my god! Yeah, it I took me a second to process the reference, but that's so good. Incredible. Uh, subtitle. A genital customization system, roughly a trillion times more cyberpunk than that other one, written by an oh honest-to-goodness trans woman who didn't even work weekends. <laughs> oh, wow. Contains over 3.6 trillion distinct genital combinations. And it is, <laughs> it is the world's um, most advanced genital customization character creator. There's nothing else... All you make is a character, and the only part that you make is the the underwear zone. But uh, <laughs> so, if you if you thought the tables in McElhenney were funny, this one has uh-huh. this one has a dedicated dicks table. Um, oh my god! <laughs> so you can you can pick your parts. So if just you so literally decide. funny media commentary is your vibe. <laughs> it uh, oh it is god, a little Laura. bit. I, th- I think it's of... fair to say at least a little bit, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the most incredible uh, supplements I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> now, th- this I have I have yet to uh, see someone play this on a podcast. I don't know how they could do it. <laughs> Man, if you want to give it, maybe play it on TikTok, but th- they would probably take the video down. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can do like a like a like a little like thirty minute thing where we each just show up having created a character. <laughs> Share it out. Um, when when are you setting up a Patreon? Is that going to be the first bonus content? Patreon might take that down. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, incredible. I don't know. They distribute hard coded on Patreon, so I don't. That's know. true. That was where my podcast <laughs> as well. That's fair. Uh, <clears throat> But if we if we ever did do a Patreon, we'd have to find like a good charity to like donate that stuff to. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. So uh, or we just give I, it to we Ollie talking... to, to to the Ollie get Ollie out of Texas fund. <laughs> That's a noble yeah. cause. Help me move anywhere other than Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we got we got tickets to Ohio. How's Ohio sounding for Ooh. you? <laughs> you oh, want no. to crash <laughs> bed in a living room in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just, Texas is hot and bad. (laughs) Fair. So, um, we we were talking a little bit about inspirations earlier. Um, like, I mean, we're all crack, we're all just cracking up at the, uh, mere concept of some of the other things you've written. Where do you get your, uh, like, where do you think uh, you draw, like, comedy inspiration from? Oh, that is an interesting question. I have no yeah. idea. Uh, can, can, can to think a about totally it. fair response. My favorite uh, comedians are Dave Chappelle and Louis C.K. <laughs> and oh, Dave. God, no. <laughs> um, God, I was I was just supposed to say no. I think my favorite comedian is John Mulaney, and then I remembered. Oh, wait, yeah. no, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, some we can of have your com- we have comedy com- writing does come from going, wait, feelings. fuck that person. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that could still have been an informative arc. Yes, it, yes, and he's he is very funny. Although it, it does mean that James A. Caster has risen a comedy notch for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. As as for like where I tend to gather inspiration, I I 
watch a lot of things and read a lot of things and consume a lot of media. Yeah. Uh, I would say that if there was anything more dominant than like old episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000, I oh, can't I, think of it. I love uh, you. Oh my god. <laughs> I just heard of that for the first time like yesterday or the day before. Oh my oh, goodness, so you should make you. some time mm-hmm. uh, and watch some episodes. Cause a, it's... a bedrock work in mm-hmm. nerdy, goofy, like, palling around comedy. We should um, have, like, a streaming it... party. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I'll, yes. I'll watch Manos the Hands of Fate with y'all. Um... <laughs> uh, I will say, I think I've made everyone here, except Moss. I don't, I, I don't know, Moss, if you've seen it or not, but I know I've made Ollie and John sit through the movie Hackers with me. Mm-hmm. I loved I it. In, I have I was... been in a number of movie clubs over the years. Uh-huh. Um, I am in one currently that meets online that started early in the pandemic that's almost entirely trans people and is one of the most thoroughly like curated, regularly occurring like uh-huh. online social things I've ever done, and I did watch Hackers through that club. Nice. Um, well, yeah, because I was so thinking earlier when we were talking figured. about like the... You know, it takes like, what, 20 points, something like that, 10 points to defeat an obstacle in a room... And everyone has to add on. Uh, And there's a scene at the end of Hackers where they're about to hack the Gibson. They're like, if I do it, it'll take ten minutes. Oh, well, if I help you out, it'll take nine minutes. And it's like, (laughs) stack in and you can just just see that NCIS scene with the keyboard where everyone starts adding their hands to it. They're all (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) oh my god, it's my favorite movie ever. Anyway, uh, but yeah, um, (laughs) a lot of gender in that movie too, huh? Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's what I was. Hackers is such a gender movie. It really is. Yeah, yeah, metrics metrics in the movie club I mean include talking about how much gender a movie has and also how much movie per movie. <laughs> what, is the, what, is the, what is the density of moviness happening? It's like that milk per milk Tumblr post. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Not everything we watch has a lot of movies movie per movie, but a lot of what we watch does, and Hackers is definitely in that. <laughs> Amazing. But uh um. yeah. Lara to like echo a lot of like uh like your feelings on that like yeah like I I think that for me like I I I attribute a lot of like my comedy styling to like consuming bottomless hours of like improv podcast content and like you know the complete works of Terry Pratchett and oh like, god Monty, yes. Monty Python like mm-hmm. you know it's just like a, a slow absorption and amalgamation of all of these this different comedy that I just love consuming and you know i and so I, I think it's totally valid so you know it's it's like it's just kind of a lot of stuff too um one of the things that i always really appreciate with uh with comedy of any kind is when it is very mm-hmm. clear that like th- whomever is writing it is just writing for themselves these are the jokes uh-huh. that they find hilarious and if other people are catching on that's fine too but if you don't get this reference whatever we're moving on past it Please enjoy it, and now off we go. Yeah, is that the attitude that you took when writing this? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, it's 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 tremendous. Um, <laughs> I, it, it's funny, like I. I don't know. I only ask that because it feels like almost like very curated. Like uh, I, I found it extremely funny. Um, so you know, I, it, it is something that is enjoyable by many. Although it was written for you, like uh... <laughs> I, I think that just means we have like a, a non-trivial overlap of like I don't know reference pools and attitudes, which is good because that yeah. means that the people who will most likely find this funny are the people who I'm most likely to like. So. Hey! Fuck the haters. Fuck the haters. Uh, 
Um, also, I wanted to ask a question that uh, we asked in our previous interview episode with Alex that we kind of joked we should maybe ask everyone just because it went in fun directions. What's your favorite media with dragons? <laughs> what is What's your favorite dragon stuff that you consumed? Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm panicking. I'm about to say, I've never seen anything with dragons in it. Just to, <laughs> just to escape. I've never uh, seen a dragon in my life. Yeah. What's a dragon? <laughs> Drabon? I'm not familiar with one of these. I just have to start thinking, don't say Aragon, don't say Aragon, don't say Aragon. <laughs> um, honestly, and this may just be because uh, John mentioned... Um, Terry P- Pratchett earlier, but I mm-hmm. really freaking love uh, Guards Guards, yeah. uh, the the first of the the Watch series, which features mm-hmm. a dragon. Notwithstanding the fact that yes, it is copaganda. Let us all just <laughs> accept this fact that yeah. this uh, series about you know fantasy uh, uh, guards in a fantasy town fighting dragons, and then later more like subtle and nuanced and human level crime. Um, yes. mm-hmm. it's super well written. It's very funny, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, delightful. Highly recommended. Uh, listener, if you haven't read the works of Terry Pratchett, you go out there and do that. And Please. then watch Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yes. And then buy my funny penis game. Thank you. I made it five stars. <laughs> do all of These, those things. This is your homework. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, if you're listening to this podcast, I, you probably like trans people doing creative media analysis. Uh, so good news, there's also a podcast out there that I accidentally made a little bit weirdly popular on TikTok to the great confusion of the creators who did not use TikTok. <laughs> um, but uh, Disc Coverers is a podcast where four trans people, two of whom have read the Pratchett books before, two of whom haven't, read the series in publication order, review and rate them. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh my goodness. you want oh to hear goodness. people problematize and mull over and goof on the copaganda of Guards Guards while also appreciating it for what it is narratively. <laughs> yeah. There are people out there doing that. You can I, I that actually, too. I do want that. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. We have no official ties to this podcast. I just talked about them on TikTok once and then they got really confused. Messing with saying that they found them on TikTok. Let's see what we can do to get officially tied to that podcast. Um... Oh, yeah, and, and, like, while we're talking about, like, fantasy novels and things, like, obviously there is a set of wizard novels that you should probably not pay money for right now. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, what what are some of your favorite, like, fantasy books you would recommend as an alternative? Like, something young adult, uh, something with, like, a fun personal character arc, but with a little less, That's a good like... question. Uh, what's the word transphobia well (laughs) racism transphobia but also like overall like weird uh like middle of the road liberalism yeah yeah and yeah weird nazi apologism which also have you all seen the sean video on harry potter yeah Yeah. Uh, the sean recommended it to me and i still haven't sat down and watched it i think the most important point that it makes uh is that like J.K. Rowling clearly views, like, you can either be a good person or a bad person, but no system is inherently mm. bad. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's fine to have a bunch of enslaved, like, members of a certain race. Harry Potter is a good guy for trying to get one of them unenslaved, but it would be stupid and laughable to try and change that system. So, and that, that kind of covers most of her stance on things within that book series. That does summarize a lot of the tone, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
really, really strange apathy towards uh, apathy and like uh, confusion towards trying to make systematic changes yeah. and big emphasis on like uh, individual a- individual action as like predetermined by like your nature as a person. Like oh. you know, Harry, Hermi- Harry, Hermione, and Ron putting Santa caps on the decapitated heads of sl- of slave elves in their in their house is cute and fun um, because these are good people, right? You right, heard everybody. John say it just now. Cancel John. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, before we get too far, so so what what stories don't have those things? What yeah. stories can we feel good about supporting? Okay, uh, things that I can recommend. Um, the uh, Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is if you are, are interested in, uh, you know, young people learning how to become magic, I have always been a fan of the Chronicles of Crestomancy. Um, and hmm. I'm going to stop right here and look up the name of the author, who I have completely forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to work it into a sentence as if I had uh, remembered it like some kind <laughs> of... Well, let me uh, vamp for time for you. Um, my, uh, I've got an answer to this in the chamber um, that I've been like throwing at people recently, and you know, back because I can't get enough of Terry Pratchett. Um, the Tiffany Aching series. Um, I adore. Uh, I like. I'm I'm reading through the series right now, and like it's clearly written uh, as like a young adult series. Um, and it fo- uh, following um, a like a a shepherd girl uh, wanting to become a witch and like her journey to do that, um, but it's just fantastic. I I love the like I love the the code by which like the witches live and understand the world. It is this incredible blend of like empathy and practicality of like understanding of like understanding that there are stupid and naive people in the world but that like everyone deserves help and a good life and like there is no shortcut to like be to like being a to like being good um like it's it's really really cool i i love those books um and i think they i think they like are I, i think they like have really cool values heck yeah those are those are fantastic books i 100 yeah. percent agree i have found the information i'm looking for excellent <laughs> uh nice. and my my uh, first recommendation is the the crestomancy series by diana win jones diana win jones it is um hey which House is in castle heck I yes knew i heard that before i knew i heard the name before uh, this is a, a series about the the Crestomancy, who is a essentially a public servant uh, in charge, of making sure people don't use don't misuse magic. Um, and it is often about you know children. It's about children who are coming into their power, and it sort of jumps through generations a little bit. So sometimes uh, we see uh, this one crestomancy uh as a child and then later he is a mentor to someone younger um Mm -hmm. but always it is um kind of doing that like british school uh feeling that aesthetic in a way that is significantly less gross and also Mm -hmm. interestingly jumps between dimensions uh, frequently, like the thing that makes a crestomancy unique is that they uh, uh, can travel between different realities. 
They're a ding-dang nice. planeswalker. They are ding-dang planeswalkers, yes. <laughs> um, and I think those are a lot of fun, and they, you know, are good for your your middle-grade readers, uh, as, as mm-hmm. Harry Potter once was. Um, and also, if I'm doing book recommendations, I am definitely going to drop uh, Garth Nix's uh, Abhorson series, which oh, is hell about... Hell yeah. Hell yeah. A- <laughs> I grew up with those. <laughs> I love those. About badass lady necromancers. Um, mm-hmm. in a uh, In a really fascinatingly, like... If I, if I call it an ill-defined kingdom, I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean that in, like, mm-hmm. the borders are so fuzzy and and there is always this sense that there is just a little bit more than you are yeah. actually able to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the, the the rules of magic are, are the rules that we have kind of cobbled together and they aren't so set in stone. And there's, like, it's, ah, super good. Um and obviously, yeah. if I'm going to mention badass lady necromancers, I am going to mention uh, Gideon the Ninth. Let's uh, go. That was my first there thought. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Heck yeah. Yeah. This book's rule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I need I need <laughs> yeah. Nona. I need Nona the Ninth to come out. I need to eat that book and consume <laughs> it right now. <laughs> I feel like there's there's so many good ones out there. Garth, Garth Nix's series are excellent. Um, also, there's some cool ace representation and things in there, too. Um, and actually, like, thinking about how gender norms work in the fantasy world in some ways that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, I'm a big fan of uh, Ursula Vernon, a.k.a. T. Kingfisher. She publishes under two different names and writes a lot of interesting fantasy stuff for various age ranges. Um, and one of the things I like when she has... Uh, her T. Kingfisher stuff tends to be some of the stuff she writes for older audiences, but I think some of it is totally middle grade solid, too, if you're like me and don't mind a story with some interesting dramatic death in it, um, which I did not mind at all as a middle schooler. Because mm-hmm. uh, she has a lot of books that I think very thoughtfully do the element of, I'm a young person with magic, and I'm having to deal with kind of intense scenarios that really it would be better if adults were handling, but I'm the one here with magic and also who isn't being as held back by official strictures that the adults seem to care about. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm handling this, but I don't really want to. I'd rather I didn't have to do this. <laughs> um, in, in like a very realistic way, like her young people adventure protagonists get to be frustrated with adults yeah. and systems of power. Yeah. Um, in ways that feel very genuine to me and that I remember thinking about when I was a kid. I didn't have magic, but I was certainly noticing when young people were left to handle stuff that it really felt like someone else should have dealt with for us or helped us with along the way. When the authorities um, fail you and then tell you that they're not. Um, Yeah, and so, yeah, both Minor Mage um, and I think the other one's called A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking. Both have young magic user protagonists coming into their own, discovering their power, and dealing with, like, dangerous situations and damaging systems run by adults who aren't putting as much care towards children or anyone's welfare as they should. Yeah. And also they have things like armadillo familiars or <laughs> uh, giant golems made of bread dough. So, you know, yes. hard to go wrong. I I listened to um, A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking on your recommendation, Moss. Uh, it's great. 
Uh, I, yeah. I, I love it. I, I love that it's also a like a tight, complete story. Uh, and you're right, incredibly thoughtful about the themes. Uh, I love that it ha- I love that it also has um, a cab for middle schoolers in it. It really um, does. <laughs> <laughs> it really that is another reason I like it. So um, great. And if you're a bit older, I probably wouldn't recommend this for a middle schooler. Um, but Lori uh, Lori J. Marx's um, Elemental Logic book series mm. has really good. Um, like elements-based magic systems uh, that don't follow just the automatic directions. Not just like, oh, the fire users are hot and angry. Um, you know, it's more like, oh, the, the fire elementals are like driven by intensity and passion in ways that make them sometimes not balance stuff well um, kinds of energies. But it also just like has a lot of really solid and intense, like complex anti-colonial narrative things going on. Mm. And also as you go through the series, a bunch of the main characters just gradually become a big ol' polycule slash co-parenting group. So uh, I love that too. Love that. I didn't. I didn't read. So I, I read the 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 shitty books. I also my parents were. I don't know how I got these, but there was this book called like Charlie Bone, and it was like a almost yeah. Like X like uh, every kid had a different special ability, and Charlie Bone could like see people through pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read Charlie I Bone. That was neat. Yeah. Uh, I don't Those know if it holds up. I don't know if the author sucks or not, so I, I'm not endorsing <laughs> this. But uh, I remember it being like, you know, Harry Potter's goth older brother, Charlie Bow. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the the, old, the main thing I remember from that series because I don't think I read the whole series, but I do remember that there was a kid whose power was he could sense the memories and experiences of people through clothing they had worn which essentially meant that all used clothing was very traumatic to him or had a high chance to be, mm-hmm. but his family was large and low income and his siblings resented him because he always had to get new clothes so that he didn't get other people's trauma flashbacks. Wow. What a nuanced character decision. Yeah. That's so again, cool. I don't remember the whole series, but from that alone, I would say probably more nuanced than the series that we're avoiding. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh well, I think my brain really latched onto the dragon question right before the book question. Uh-huh. So, like, Go for it the too. first thing that came to my mind was the Wings of Fire books, which are definitely great for middle schoolers. Um, I uh, I have had people tell me I'm too old to read them, but they're very fun. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's about dragons, and also some of them figure out they have magic powers and then have to learn to use magic powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... And then also, as the series progresses, uh, uh, a lot of the dragons are queer, so it's just queer dragons, uh, and very fun. Hell yeah. Sick. Uh, and there's humans in the background, but the dragons don't realize the humans are sentient, which is a very fun <laughs> reversal of things. I love that. Um, <laughs> oh, that rules! That yeah. rules! That's great. But oh. yeah, uh, regarding the like you know reading books that are like written for a younger audience i mean like i enjoy pixar movies too like you know i think that there is value i think that there is uh like value and theme uh that can be extracted from media written for uh, people of any age i just realized i have a children's book anecdote that's mildly thematic yeah i was in when I was in third grade, we had an assignment that was to, like, write a letter to an author we admired. Mm-hmm. And someone did write to J.K. Rowling and got back, like, a shitty form letter. Um, it had, like, owls on the edges. That was it. Um, <laughs> I wrote to Jan Brett, 
who is a writer and illustrator who does the most like richly lush and elaborate picture books. Mm-hmm. And she also does lots of like world folktale retellings where especially if a folktale exists in many regions, she'll pick a specific region to focus in on and like research like the climate and mm-hmm. the foliage and the clothing and things and like incorporate all of the visual stylings into the art that she does. And it has like little sort of preview frames along the sides of pages that show you snippets of things that are going to occur on future pages that are occurring simultaneously. So as an early childhood educator, like, reading aloud to kids, it's awesome because you can help encourage them to, like, think about where the story's going or contextualize what's happening. Mm-hmm. I wrote to her, I got, like, a massive, like, warm, cream-toned, embossed envelope Let's with, like, go. a handwritten postcard and a signed photo and all these brochures. And I remember specifically back then, and this was like back, I loved the Harry Potter books too at the time, but I mm-hmm. remember thinking at the time about the kid who wrote to her, I'm like, you fool. <laughs> the big name. She has no time. You're going to get back. It's, she's never going to see that. You write, to the, you write to the cool indie people. <laughs> They're the ones who will appreciate you. And I was right. And I'm still right. <laughs> I stand by it. Take that seventh grade peer. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> but I forgot until then, I'm like, oh yeah, literally, like my main memory of that was like someone wrote to Rowling and got back a crummy, a crummy form letter. <laughs> oh, Ursula K. K- Le Guin. She's she's also very good. I should mention that mm-hmm. because I did uh, sass her for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> 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 no, it's a fun reversal oh. sass because she herself has like like shit talked JK Rowling. Yeah, yeah. no no oh. no spoilers. She cameos in our uh campaign. <gasps> oh my goodness. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I need to, now I need to now I need to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it up at some point. We'll, I'll put it up probably next Saturday just to keep things consistent. The flow going. Yeah. 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 Um but yeah, uh if we have any more questions, we can totally do those. But now that it's been a little time, uh, what game should we play next, Lara? Yeah. Uh, well, I am highly going to recommend uh, Ash Cheshire's games. Uh, they are uh, Ash Can Games. Is uh, <laughs> their very good company title? Well, yeah. In indie games, you know, if you have a name for it. I'm Glaive Guizarm Games. I don't. There's nobody else in this company. It's just me and my <laughs> back there. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ashcan Games has a lot of really good stuff. Uh, the one that I am thinking of is uh, Weasels Are Illegal, um, which is a game in which, well, you're a bunch of weasels in a trench coat and. Tragically, weasels have been made illegal, so you are going to need to work together to uh, <laughs> to find some freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so excited to get to safety. Yes, it sounds fantastic. It's very good. They have a lot of really good names. Like the the one I would actually most recommend is uh, Ships That Pass, but that is just a two player game. Uh, but it has a, a fantastic title. It's Ships That Pass because you are playing sentient starships who have fallen in love with one another. And uh, you can only communicate when you are near enough on the shipping lanes. So you are passing by each other, but also you have to uh, pass as, you know, not 
<laughs> not being in love, not being emotional for the human crew upon you. Mm. Um, oh, so that was also very good. That but sounds that's... great. I mean, if it's a two-player, maybe a couple of us can play the two-player and then a larger group can play the weasel game. Yeah. <laughs> we got options. Yeah. Well, that sounds delightful. That's a great recommendation. We're going to play that next, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent. And then we're going to work in Penis 2.0.77. <laughs> I thought of another another question that's good, especially like moving towards wrap-up, too. Yeah, Do you yeah. have uh, current or upcoming things that you're working on, or like projects of yours or other people that you're excited about that you want to boost or point out? Ooh, I do have a, a project that I'm working on. I'm, in fact, working Beautiful. on a project, and this is why Faye came to mind, with Ash Cheshire, uh, uh, hey. Faye, my co-writer, on Abyssal, um, which is an extremely exciting project, which uh, we are working on with Evil Hat Productions, who oh, made nice. a lot of good oh, stuff, nice. including Thirsty Sword Lesbians is probably, like, that's the mm-hmm. one to compare it to. Um, and Abyssal is a uh, forged-in-the-dark game about uh, people who are not quite monsters but not human anymore uh that exist in the liminal space between the surface and the shadow so think like someone who has been bitten by a vampire but not fully turned or uh a werewolf who used to run with a pack and is now trying to make it on their own um and uh yeah so you play these liminals in historic cities um so we have we have three settings at present, which are uh, London 1888, Paris 1793, and Las Vegas 1972. Yeah, uh, hell yeah! And you get to be, you know, a, a group of of liminals of different types of uh, a monster, um, mm-hmm. and working together to try and accomplish some goal and figure out like. How human do I want to stay? To what degree do I want to fall into the abyss and become my like most monstrous self? And how much do I want to mm-hmm. resist that? It is yeah. got a lot of big trans energy that I did not okay. notice when I started working on it. Um, <laughs> but gosh, has it become apparent in the time since? Uh, and it's fun how that happens. Fun how that happens. Uh, it's very queer and fun, and you know, stressful, but also very funny because. Like, just a fucking werewolf in a suit carrying a Tommy gun? That's hilarious. <laughs> that's great. Hell yeah. Well, that's very exciting to know. Absolutely, yeah. So, listeners, keep a lookout for Abyssal. So we are we are hoping to uh, get that into, like, public playtest soon. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're kind of behind the scenes right now. Don't expect it on store shelves anytime soon, but... Uh, for sure. You know, for- you can follow at abyssal underscore rpg on twitter for notes or just follow me because i'm also going to talk about it a lot yeah how can they follow you uh oh what a segue i accidentally did (laughs) um you can follow (laughs) you're a natural you can follow me uh on twitter i am at glaive guizarm um, that has two silent E's in it, so you may want to look up how Glaive Guizarm is spelled if you aren't familiar with your it. medieval peasant weaponry. And if you aren't familiar <laughs> with your medieval peasant weaponry, get with the program. You can also <laughs> find me, uh, just on the internet, uh, I have a website, that is GlaiveGuizarm.com. You're gonna need to figure out where those silent E's go, whether you like it or not. <laughs> awesome. Amazing. All right. Uh, 
Moss, do you have anything you want to plug before we go out? Or a Twitter? Hmm. I mean, like, I will always plug myself when y'all let me. Not yeah. like I'm putting out anything new. My uh, Most of my life right now is day job, but I love getting to come and talk about game design with all of y'all. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. As what the as sort of the the accidental founding founding interviewee uh, now podcast member <laughs> of this show. Us. If you want to check out if you want to check out my games, you can find me at beatingthebinary.itch.io or on Twitter. I am Adonarama, A D A N A R A M A, where I ramble about games sometimes. Uh, if you want to just continue celebrating stuff that has lots of queer and trans themes and also rotating or GMless uh, kinds of story structures, I love those things. <laughs> uh, Ollie, do you want to plug anything? Um, I mean, no, I don't really have anything. If you want to <laughs> send money to Ollie so he can get out of Texas, just email us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, help go. me escape Texas. Yeah. Uh, John, uh, I have nothing to plug right now. This is my biggest public project, but you know, hoping to put out some stuff soon. Yeah, one day, Music City. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, Music City is going to hit shelves sometime. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, as for me, I am working on a Star Fox 64 inspired roguelike, roguelite game. Uh, and uh, I should have builds of it available soon. Uh, if you want a download key, feel free to email the show or tweet at us. Um, we are on Twitter at GTRTPCast, and then our email is GTRTPCast at gmail.com. Uh, and also, if you have a feedback, uh, if you hate us, don't tell us. Um, tell us <laughs> um, and If you have questions, game recommendations, if you want to tell us your favorite media that includes yes. dragons. Yes. <laughs> we should if you want to tell them that I'm pretty so that they can pass that on to me, please. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay quippy outline here (laughs) (laughs) 